I don't know if you've grown, uh, uh, if you ever grow lax in your prayer life, feeling like every day is like ditto yesterday, but this congregation provides you plenty of fuel for your prayers. Just in the last, uh, just in the last few hours, we've learned so many things about each other, and I'm, I, where's Johnny um, Cravens at? I saw him earlier. He's back there, okay. I, I was telling him, he's, he's just not had enough on his plate. Taking care of his mother and all, taking care of his mother, and now he's got to, you know, trip up his wife and give her a broken shoulder. He's just bored out of his mind looking for things to do. We've got people to pray for, and listen, hey, Mac Ramsey and, and losing his mother and Martha Rampey and losing her mother, and I don't care how old you are, that's, that's like a weird feeling, that's like an orphan feeling. And so be mindful of these people. I think prayer is one of the greatest works that we do, and a lot of times we don't. Uh, appreciate it as much. We feel like it's all I can do, pray. Well, that's not all you can do. There's something powerful about it. But in the next couple days, you're going to have some, we have some people here who are hurting a lot, and we can do a lot for them if we will pause in our day and give them some prayerful time. That's something you can do no matter where you're going, if you're driving in your car, if you're sitting in your house. Don't don't pass up the opportunity to be mindful of one another in prayer. And that's all I'm, I'm asking you to do in the next couple of days. Notice, uh, notice I gave Tony a really short uh, passage, and I gave Mark a really long passage last week. That tells you what I think their mental capabilities are. And, um, and they both did well for what they did. Uh, we are in Exodus chapter 20 going through these Ten Commandments, talking about, okay, we're going to update them with New Covenant uh, you know, uh, mo- modifications as we go through. Jesus a couple of times was given an opportunity to, um, to kind of summarize what the most important law was. You know, there's so many back there. This, te- this, this Jewish teacher comes up to him and says, what's the most important one? You remember what he says? What does he say? Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. But he says the second one is so close, I really can't be faithful to the first one without saying the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. And it's almost like he's saying... You can't really love God if it doesn't come out in, in manifestations of loving people. Don't come together on Sunday morning and think, I'm getting close to God and I'm meditating with God, but you're snippy and snipey with people. You can't do that. There's a, and then he says, really, I, I, I shouldn't, you shouldn't even have to say it. One flows into the other so much. In, in the Ten Commandments, you see this because in the first four, as you well know, it's about God honoring God's name. Uh, honoring the, the Sabbath day, not worshiping any other God before him or engraving images, any kind of other visual image of God. And then suddenly he starts outward focus, leaving God going into people, but the perfect bridge of transition is command number five, honor your father and your mother. It's, it's other people, but it's very close to God because the first person first persons in your life that reflect and teach you about God, who are supposed to provide you a model that can flow, goes straight from you, out from you to straight to God, or the parents. They reflect an image God for you with skin on, right? Mom is God with skin on, sort of, for young people. Love your neighbor as yourself starts with loving your parents. And you know this is true, and you're thinking, this should be a short sermon. We all know this is true, but this is so much more complicated than it used to be. It's a lot of complexity to this. You, you know that as soon as he made the individuals 
Adam and Eve, he, he made marriage, and he made this as the place where young, children would come. And this became the safe atmosphere for children to learn how to image God. So, Mom and Dad, your job is to image God. You're made in His image, and I want you to image God. And I want one way you do that is you reproduce, and you reproduce this child, and you teach that child through your actions how he or she is to image God. And that's my incubator. That's how I'm getting fellow God imagers is through you. So he wants to protect this, con- this relationship very much. So we are to model God and we're to raise children who model God. And God's design was this, for us to learn about God through our parents. And this is further emphasized when he says, I want you to call God Father. Now for those of you, anyone in here, and I know there are some, If you had some really deficient parents, you're going to struggle a little bit with God because you're supposed to be able to make this transition. And for those of you who are like parents, and I'm going to scare Michael Michael to death, is this. Parents, your job is to make as easy a transition for your kids from obeying you to obeying the Lord. That makes me want to get in a fetal position and put my thumb in my mouth. There's been several times I felt that way. This is scary how incredibly powerful and responsible and important your role is in the life of a kid. It's terrifying when you come to the realization of this. So God moves from laws about serving him to talking about mom and dad. And the first relationship at all is that marital dyad, mom and dad, where kids are supposed to be raised. I want to say a couple of warnings about this that often are missed. And they have to be understood, especially in our age, first of all is this. These commands were not spoken to young people. These commands were spoken to adults. And I want you to think about that for a minute because there are great implications to this. That we are not to beat our kids when they're two and three or four years old over the head saying you need to obey the fifth commandment. We'll talk about that in a minute. The second one is this. Who is your father and your mother? Now you think, well, duh. In our world, is it duh? I was sitting in fourth grade with Abby one day. I went to eat lunch with him once every month, usually chicken patty day. It's Wednesday. And I was really nice to him, so they gave me two of them, an extra helping of mashed potatoes every Wednesday. So I go in there and ate with her, and they saw me coming. They knew I was coming, and I'm overly nice. Oh, thank you, ma'am. Here comes some more potatoes and a little more gravy. It's great. And I go and sit at the table and surrounded herself with all her friends. And so as we sat there, first, first or second time in fourth grade, and, and this kid across from me says, Who are you? I said, Well, I'm Abby's dad. He said, Which one are you? And I said, I'm Abby's dad. Yeah, I get that, but which one are you? I said, I'm like, he's not getting this. Mm, this is that kid Abby's talking about all the time, right? He's always got that number down. or what? He says, I get it, but which one are you? It hit me then. He was giving me an education. This kid told me he lived with his third dad. He's on his third dad. What does this command mean to a kid like that? What does it mean to him? Stunning to me. The problem was, as we talked around that table, there were more like him than there were like Abby. Where I was really the only one. When my biological father came a couple months ago, and he's come back since then, it's been really strange, he was worried how I would take a conversation with him. Would I really listen to him or not? Would I give him a chance or not? And the next day, when it was all safe, and he was fine, we were having this conversation, he said, I came prepared for you 
uh, to not receive me. I said, oh, you did? He said, yeah, and I decided, I decided I had the perfect argument in your language for why you had to give me a hearing. I said, oh, really? What was it? And he said, because the fifth commandment is love and honor your father and your mother. I'm so glad he didn't try using that as ammunition. This was the weirdest thing, but I have debated this all my life. I've talked to people who've been in a situation like mine, and I do grapple with what my responsibility to him would be. But I would change this. If I were a translator of this passage, I would change this, and I would say, honor your mom and your dad. Because your mother and your father are the sperm and egg donors. And I know that sounds crude, but there's an awful lot of people walking around as the sperm and egg donors of kids who aren't the moms and the dads. And God's saying, I want you to honor the person who fulfills the role. I want you to honor the one who carries out my understanding of what I expect of the role of mom and dad. And it wasn't long after that, I was reading Time magazine, and near the end of the magazine, this lady was talking about, this is crazy, she got a gift for Christmas a couple years ago, and it was a DNA kit. Anybody tried any of these? My, my father-in-law's all into it. I mean, he thinks that's the coolest thing. And I'm thinking, I just would soon not know. You know, if you live in Arkansas, I would suggest you not do this. It's not going to help you at all, and it's only going to screw you up, right? So don't do that. But she filled out this DNA kit, and it was unbelievable. Not only did she find siblings, she found the guy who was actually her biological father because the one she thought was dad had adopted her very young. She didn't even know it. And her mom couldn't have a child yet, so she went to. In fact, her dad couldn't. And so what her mom did is went to a sperm bank and, and through that process had a child. And so her biological father was somebody she had never met before, and she didn't later meet this guy. And I got to thinking about that. Y'all, what does honor your father and your mother mean to her? This is going to happen more and more. As people give up frozen embryos and, out and, and adopts them out, what does this mean? And I've come up to my own conclusion. Again, I'm going to say it this way, is that God expects you to honor your mom and your dad, the one who fulfilled the role that God assigned to that task, the one who actually carried through on it. Now, I'm going to say this too, though. It may be more than one person for you. There are people who, for whatever reason, their children, their parents divorce, but they have a pretty good dad, but their stepdad steps in and takes part of that role too and does an honorable job of that. I believe you're supposed to honor both of them. But if you just are a person who gave birth to a child and you leaves and somebody else steps in, my obligation is to my stepfather. I'm going to honor that to the day he dies. And if that hurts the other feeling, sorry. That's how I understand this. Now, some people are going to come up, and I've had this discussion before with people in private, and they, do, they debate with me, and they discuss it, and you can think differently if you want to. We all know I'm right, but you, you, you can debate if you want to. I do remember a story, though, and I want to tell it to you, and I think it's interesting. In Kenneth, there was this young man who, in junior high, by the time he was in sixth grade, he was living by himself. He was actually paying a house payment, and he was going out and getting a job, and he was, he was feeding himself. He was a sixth grader. He does this through sixth grade, through seventh grade, and he, he's, he's suddenly discovered by the junior high principal, one of the best men I ever met. His name was Henry Dieter. And he had two kids that he adopted. He and his wife, Glenda, couldn't have kids. 
So they adopted two, but as he's, a, as he's an educator, as he's a principal, he comes into the life of this young man. He discovers his circumstances and says, that's absolutely, that is absolutely not allowed. And so he takes this child into his own home, raises this child, puts him through Harding. And I just, I, I melt every time I'm around these people as I talk about this story and I've spent a lot of time with them and I love these people and they have such warm feelings toward who they call mom and dad now. But he also, a couple years ago, I remember this, when he struggled with this just a little bit, it's a few years now, when his actual biological father died. His family, that family had no money at all. How was he going to be put away? And he began to wonder, what's my obligation to my biological father who, who kind of reneged on his deal, Right? And he talked to Henry Dieter, one of the greatest counselors in the history of the world. What do I do? And Henry was like, I can't tell you what to do. This man ended up going through the entire funeral process, paying for it for his father, and he put his father away because he felt like that's what was his obligation. I don't know if it was or not, but that's a beautiful image of Jesus, isn't it? It's a great opportunity to reflect him in this story, and it's touched many lives. And so maybe, maybe he's got a better image than I Well, I'm going I'm to move on from here because I've got to define what honoring means. There's several things in Scripture uh, that, that what honoring means, and it happens in different age. It means, first of all, you obey. Deuteronomy chapter 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not... Well, I'm going to go about this way. Uh, obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline and will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. How many think this should still be in effect? That would solve a lot of drug problem, wouldn't it? You get on drugs, we drug you out here. and we, now, now, I don't think you want to do this, but it's interesting, isn't it? He didn't obey his parents. He didn't listen to what his parents were saying. And because his parents couldn't do anything with him, to take him out to the, ruler of the city gates, right? Here's what I think happens. You are to obey until you have enough sense to honor. It's what I really think happens. You are to obey your parents until you have enough sense to honor them. You know the difference. Honoring them is I want to do things with my parents' perspective in mind. How many of you even today, if your parents are still living, you give them a call to ask them about different things just to be sure what they think? Anybody still? You don't have to do it, right? You don't have to do what they say, but you want to know what it is. You want to know what they think. They feel honored when they put down that telephone and know that you call them, not because you have to. You can handle life on your own. But you want to know what they have to say. You've just honored them. I think kids should obey their parents until they have enough sense to honor them and reflect on that. Honor means you obey your parents. Now, this is an interesting thing. Here's where I'm going to pause for a second. And I'm going to say to you, these Ten Commandments were spoken to adults. For those who are older, we're going to get to what older people, middle-aged like me and those of you older than me, one of the things honoring your parents we'll get to later. But for those of you a little younger, let me tell you what your responsibility is. Your, your kids are not going to obey you because the Bible says so. The command is spoken to parents, not to kids. 
It says to parents, you teach your kids to honor you. If you wait until you can preach the Bible to them and tell them you need to honor me because of the fifth commandment, you've waited too late. It's too late now. You must teach them, and I want to, you got to get this early. And I, there were times I remember raising Noah, especially when it would dawn on me, hold it, this, he's being a brat. Would you quit doing that? Well, listen, there's nobody else responsible for making him quit doing it but me. It's my job. And they're cute and they're sweet when they're little, but when you keep laughing and think it's cute and it's sweet when they're five, six, seven years old, when it shouldn't be cute and sweet anymore, you are the one to make your kids honor you. You make them, but teach them, and you train them. If you wait until they can understand a command fully in significance, they will be spoiled brats and they won't listen anyway. The first person who needs to hear honor your parents are parents, and we need to raise our kids honoring us. And if they don't, we pass them off to society like this, and an entire society is afflicted with your kid. And when there's enough like this, you get America. So you got to obey, right? That's what honor means. You obey. Secondly, it means to listen to him. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son hears his father instruction, but a, a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Listen to him. We need to have a posture of listening to our parents and respecting what they say, most especially when we disagree or don't understand. When trying to tell your kids stay out of the road, they don't have to understand why you tell them to stay out of the road. They just need to be able to listen to your voice. And if you can't physically reach them, you need to teach them to listen to you because there's going to come a day when they're supposed to listen to God and follow Him even when they don't understand and even when they don't agree. But they won't if they haven't adopted that posture already with you. Honor means we listen to them. We listen to them and then we learn to listen to God. It's an interesting thing what it says about Jesus after he's lost in the temple. And we learn already at age 12, he's an incredibly responsible and mature kid. But what does he go home and do? Do you remember? He went home and obeyed his parents. It must be tough being imperfect parents of a perfect kid. Right? Your kid is the sinless, perfect son of God. And do you know what he's doing toward you? He's obeying you. It's an amazing thing. Psalm 78. A third thing about honoring is you're respecting the role that they have. And so he establishes this, right? It says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It's at this point where I say I can't stand New York. You can abort a kid minutes before he would normally be born. That is sick, 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 sick. We can, we can teach them to our children yet unborn. Now, I know that means once they become born, but hey, even when they're in the womb, talk about God with those kids. Michael, pray with that kid before that kid, that girl is ever, kid, that before she's ever born, you be praying with her. 
And do you realize she's already heard more sermons from me than most people have in their lives, right? She's going to be brilliant. (laughs) Honor means respect their role, and their role is dads, moms, teach them the stories. Going with the college students over the book of Judges, Judges is about what would happen if you could live life without God's messing you with your life, right? Because the main verse is this. After that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what the Lord had done for Israel. No one told the next generation. Don't be that one. Your primary role assigned to you by God is to teach the stories of God and get them to know God. If they come out of your house not knowing their Creator, you have failed your role. That's sobering. And one of the reasons God puts a high premium on respecting parents is because their role is as close to God on earth as anyone else. And if you snub them, you'll snub him. Their role is to teach about God. I think this is interesting, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. Did I put that on here? This is very interesting. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and shall keep my Sabbaths. I'm the Lord your God. I'm going to narrow it down to two. You revere your parents and you keep the Sabbath. He puts them together. Anyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father and his mother. His blood is upon him. I, their role is so important. And if you snub them, them doing your, the role that they're doing, you deserve death. Another one, show appreciation. This one comes from Proverbs 23, 22 in the, today's English. It says, when your mother is old, show her your appreciation. I love that. You know what it takes to appreciate somebody? You have to really internally recognize and realize what they did for you. That's what it takes to appreciate. And I'm going to tell you this. You, have to, you almost have to be a parent to appreciate your parents. You almost have to be. Does that make sense? You almost have to have been all those sleepless nights, all those dirty diapers, and we can talk about that in theory, but when you've been through all that stuff, and you look back and you think, most of our parents didn't have disposable diapers. That's amazing, isn't it? What they did was amazing. So show her your appreciation. And what I like about this part in this proverb is your parents do not have to be alive for you to do this. This is part of honoring your parents that even lives beyond their lifetime. Be a person who constantly is reflective of the parent that you had. You're honoring and appreciating them long after they're gone. You talk about them and you talk about them with fondness. I I think this one's important. I don't have a particular verse other than general ones, but this. I'd say it's important um, to forgive your parents. No, no, Nobody had a perfect one, and nobody is a perfect one. And I think there's nobody who knows the flaws that they have better than the parent himself. And you can beat yourself to death being guilty. Once in a while... Actually, not once in a while. Once you need to sit your kids down and say, you know, I was imperfect and I know some of them. And I'm sorry about that, but do it once. Just do it once. 
Don't try to live with the shame and guilt of mistakes that you made. And, and kids, don't make, your ki- don't make your parents grovel. And No, that's not the right thing. You forgive them, and they're going to forgive you for being a rotten kid sometimes. Prize them highly. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 8. Prize her highly, she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. It's talking about wisdom and mother wisdom here. You realize how rich you are for the heritage you have and your parents? You esteem them highly? Do you boast about them? Do you want your life to reflect on? You know what I want to do? I want to, I want to preach and I want to live in such a way that these little old ladies come up to me and said, Wow, you must have had good parents. So will you all say that when my parents come to visit? Would you, would you do that for me? Would you come up and as you leave, don't say anything about the sermon, just say, wow, you must have had good parents, and I'll have them sitting over there by that, that column over there. It'll just make my mom bust, right? That's, what, that's, what, that's, our, that's, that's, that's our highest prize and calling, raising great kids that the world knows. And finally, here's what I think the primary one probably was in giving this one, is meet their needs. Proverbs, if a widow has children or grandchildren, this is from 1 Timothy, uh, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. This is pleasing to God. God loves it when we return the favor. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Is that not strong? That's potent. I want you to think that in the ancient world, there was no Medicare, there was no nursing homes, there was no long-term care insurance. So as you grew older, the only thing you could count on in taking care of you when you get a little old is good kids. I was watching Dot Bird go out this morning, one of the most beautiful older ladies I've ever met in my life. And she's walking out and her daughter's right behind her. And I said, she is so good to you. She says, yes, she is so good to me. I said, it, makes, it almost makes having kids worth it, doesn't it? And she said, oh, yes, it does, especially when it's like her. I love that. And can I, can I tell you something that's really powerful to me? Jesus dying on the cross, no, no room for small talk on the cross, right? You can barely breathe, and so anything you say has to be significant. But before Jesus could say it is finished... He had to take care of his mama. It wasn't finished. The plan of God wasn't finished until he took care of his mama. Tell me how serious God is about honoring your mom and your dad. It's very close to his heart. And when Jesus really got frustrated when the Pharisees came up with this Corbin tradition, you know, I've got this money over here in the bank that I was going to take care of my parents with as I got older, but I devoted it all to God. I, just, I, put, it, I put it in a special account say it's God, so mom and dad, sorry I can't help you because it's devoted to God. Can I tell you something? The elders would just swallow their teeth if I told you. If you had a limited amount of money and you had to choose between taking care of your parents or giving them the offering plate, I hope I never see it in the offering plate. It's doing double duty. This command happened to come with some consequences. God says you will be honored with long life. Uh, It's an interesting thing, and I think he says you'll live long in the land. 
is his saying. If you honor your father and mother and you will live long in the land I'm giving you. And I think what he's saying is, you won't last long if parents aren't functioning to teach their kids respect for authority. You get in that land and nobody respects authority and nobody respects law and order and other people's property. If you, if you don't get that, if you don't teach that to them, you won't be in this land very long. It's not going to last very long. And in fact, he says, when you find a kid like this who's not obeying his parents, I tell you what, take him right to the elders and stone him because you've never seen anything like an entire society built on a bunch of unappreciative, spoiled brats who cannot take structure and respect for authority. And right now, we're raising a generation like this. Not in here, in our world. Listen, you can't live long in the land if you don't respect your parents and other authorities. He says another way in Deuteronomy chapter 5, and it will go well with you. This is interesting. I don't know if it's well with you as a nation or well with y'all. I don't know if you watch these commercials. These people will do anything, and they'll try info commercials. I'm sitting there at Planet Fitness. Not sitting there. I'm at Planet Fitness, and I'm on an elliptical or something. I'm looking up there, and there's these half-hour uh, info commercials about how to look young. And all these people who look, they're, they're 70, but they look 40. And they're trying their best to stay that way, right? I think we're afraid to grow old. We live in a culture that is terrified of looking old. We feel very insecure about growing old. And I hear these people, one who is uncharmed. I won't tell you who she is, but you'll know. And there's another country music singer right now complaining. They both came up as scantily clad, beautiful, sexy women in these roles where they flaunted it for their talent, right? And now that they're older, people aren't paying them attention. They're saying people aren't treating women right. The only reason they ever had a career was because they questioned all this and they flaunted it, right? Now that they can't flaunt it because it's not where it used to be, because of that... They're griping and complaining because nobody gives them credibility and loves them for their mind. No one, sister, ever loved you for your mind. So quit your complaining. We don't want to grow old. We're scared to death. And you hear older people, listen, middle-aged people say, I'm scared to promise me, son, you'll never put me in the nursing home. Do not ever make that promise. You should not make promises you cannot keep. But I'll tell you something else. If you do have to put your parents in a nursing home, you still can honor and love them and take care of them and oversee that. And that still be honoring your parents. Because you leave people in there without anyone looking after them and accountability, they will be neglected, they will be drugged out, and they will be left in that room, and you need to be their advocate. You still love and honor, and it looks different. Maybe, maybe not in their mind, and maybe that's not your perfect ideal image. But listen, you can still go and, and consult those things and honor your parents. Don't promise them what you cannot keep. But you can always promise that you'll honor them. And you can keep that promise because you can make yourself do it. You will grow older with greater confidence if you've taught your kids to respect and honor you. You'll be coming to church on a walker like Dot Bird with that wonderful daughter behind her. And you can have the fullest assurance of confidence that daughter's not going to let anything happen to you that she's not going to oversee. 
And you can go grow old with confidence that that's going to take care and not have the fear. And that's what he's saying in Deuteronomy. It will go well with you. You'll be able to grow old with grace and beauty. There's one other thing in Colossians, and I'm done. It says it, that when you honor your parents, it just pleases the Lord. It just makes him thrilled. It's like he's delighted. It's like the closest role to me on earth is your parents. And when I see you honor them, you are specially honoring me. I believe that's true. And God delights in it. And every inconvenience and every burden that you have to bear in taking care of your parents is a blessing to God. And I hope you know that. Because He loves it. And you'll hear this every once in a while, it's really true. And I want our teenagers to hear this because this is not romantic here. But do you know how to tell how a man is going to treat you as his wife? You ever heard this? It's how he treats his mama. And I believe that's true even as a teenager. If you're dating a guy who disrespects his mama, you dump him faster than you can breathe. Because he'll treat you the same way. You find a young man who prizes his mama, loves his mama. Now, he doesn't have to be a mama's boy. No, nothing like that. But he has to be someone who cares about her and watches over her. And you're going to see how he's going to treat you. And I think that's also, it's also a reflection of what he thinks about his creator who gave him his mama in the first place. Honor is something that's become a foreign concept that people don't know how to nurture and, and, and create in people. We see it in schools. Sometimes we see it at church. Sometimes we don't model this well. We don't expect it enough, and we don't teach it. What does it look like? God values this. He values this so much that he says the same penalty of disrespecting God happens when you disrespect your parents. He knows what's at stake. He puts it as, the, as one of the big ten, the first one that deals with people. And when Jesus came, he reinforced it in his own life on every page. God was so serious, he put special awards upon it. If you want it to go well with you, if you want to live long in the land, and you want to please God, you obey your parents. I don't care what society says about it and how cool it is to smugly roll your eyes at your parents. I don't care what culture tells you is acceptable and expected at any age time in your life. It will always be true. God expects honor from the, for those parents, and he loves it, and it's close to his heart, so it better be near to yours too. And then there'll be people tell you this. Honor them as long as they're alive. There'll be a day when you can't honor them like you'd like to. And you don't want to regret it. This evening, if there's, a, if, if there's anyone who's just for whatever reason, you've, you've not honored God by becoming one of his children, calling him father, he is awaiting playing that role in your life. He's already created you. He's already created you. He's your father in a creation sense, but he wants to be a father in a redemption sense. And he wants to adopt you again. He wants to make you his. 
He wants to be the greatest father, the perfect father for you, and he wants you to be able to honor him and know that he's the most honorable father you could have. If he's not your father now, why not make him so? Why not say that you want him to be and confess your sin, repent of your own independence and prodigalness, and return to him. Be immersed in the waters of baptism and rise to walk a new life as a child of God. Great time to do it now as we stand and as we sing.